The tailgating started early today in Oakland as the fans make their way in as we welcome you in Doe.co Coliseum in Oakland, California. The fans were loud last night. They're louder tonight. It's game four of the American League Division Series between the Tigers and the A's. Hi, everybody. I'm Don Orsillo with Buck Martinez. Jamie Maggio will join us in a bit. Last night, a huge victory for the Oakland Athletics. They did it with pitching. 11 strikeouts along the way, and it started with Brett Anderson. Well, it sure did. Oftentimes, you'll see the starter set the tone for the ball game, and Brett Anderson got it going early. He got his slider over and strikes out the first two batters of the ball game. That set the tone. Six innings, he really shut down the A's and then turned it over to a very good bullpen. Ryan Cook and then Sean Doolittle in the eighth. He threw 12 fastballs and struck out the side. And then they go to their closer. The emotional Grant Balfour with the support of the fans here. He gets the double play to end the ball game, and now they carry that momentum into this game tonight. The Detroit Tigers have a 2-1 lead in this series. To end the series tonight, they're going to need more production from the middle of their lineup. Well, they sure do need some production offensively. They haven't done much. The middle three hitters in their lineup, 3-4-5, and five, have one RBI. Delman Young drove in an RBI with a ground ball to first base in game one. The Tigers have had problems scoring on the road. They've scored 60 fewer runs on the road. This trio during the regular season drove in 321 runs. They have just one. They've got to step up and have a few more at-bats with runners on base. Another very good pitching matchup tonight. Max Scherzer for the Tigers. A.J. Griffin for the Oakland A's. Game four is next. Hello and welcome to episode number 58 of the Legend of Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Lucas Moncari in Thunder Bay, Ontario. Joining me... In Prince Albert, uh, one half of two paper, two paper Guys podcasts, I learned to speak English today, with James Talbot of the Mazatat News, the Prince Albert Daily Herald sports reporter, so guy who in theory down the line has replaced me as a sports hobo in Prince Albert, is Nathan Ryder. Nathan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on. I think I'm technically like sports hobo the third because I thought <laughs> Kyle was sports hobo junior. Yes. And then I took over the job from Kyle Coswin, so. <laughs> when name like the third, we need to get you like covering like... Like some lacrosse, all those fancy hoity-toity names, and then get you like a monocle or in a, <laughs> in a top hat. Yeah. So, um, this episode of the program, Nathan's a few different games he wants to do down the line, but in particular, we're going to be starting off with Game 4 of the 2012 ALDS Series between the Detroit Tigers and the Oakland Athletics. We're finally doing baseball on the podcast. It only took us 20 years. So, Nathan, why did you pick this game in particular? Why made you want to do this for the podcast? I mean, looking in 2023, just at the Oakland Athletics with all the questionable decisions ownership has made with that team and the announcements made to Las Vegas, I thought this was a really good game to kind of encapsule how good of a fan base the Oakland Athletics had. Because, I mean, as we'll talk about throughout the night, like these, it's a borderline insane asylum there. Like the crowd (laughs) is just insane. The crowd is just insane is the best way to put it. And I was going to say, because you're a little bit younger than I am, so you would have no memory of the teams in the 90s that went to the World Series, and like late 80s, early 90s, and went to ALDS with ALCS, I should say, against the Jays in 92. So the money ball stuff was probably like a little too early for you, so to yes. speak. So this is probably the first good A's teams you would have seen, too, as a baseball fan, right? Yes, I was born in the year 2000. So I can't say I was paying too close attention to the Moneyball A's. I had other priorities in life at the time. <laughs> learning to walk. <laughs> yes, learning to walk and 
<laughs> so let's meet the teams first of all. Also, I'll shout out to Bruce Springsteen for Land of Hope and Dreams, which I forgot they played that all through the TBS TNT broadcast during that playoff. So we can't afford those, right? So I may have to cut that off before the intro kicks in. Anyway, so let's meet the teams. We begin first of all with the Detroit Tigers. Manager Jim Leland has been there since 2006. GM Dave Bombrowski since 2002. In 2011, they went 95 and 67 to win their first division title since 1987 when they won the AL East over the Toronto Blue Jays in a heck of a battle for the pennant that year. That matched their 95 win total in 2006. They finished second in the Central, lost that in the final week of the regular season to the Chicago White Sox, and went on, but went on to the World Series where they lost to the St. Louis Cardinals. In the 2011 playoffs, they beat the Yankees in five games in the ALDS, but lost in the ALCS to the Texas Rangers in six games. Justin Verlander was named MVP in Cy Young that season, the first AL pitcher to win both since Oakland Athletics reliever Dennis Eckersley in 1992. The first Tiger to win the award since Willie Hernandez, who also won both in 1984. He was also the first American League Triple Crown pitcher, that's ERA uh, wins and strikeouts leaders for all three categories, since Johan Santana with the Twins in 2006. Jake Peavy and Clayton Kershaw did it with San Diego and LA Dodgers in 2007 and 2011. That has since been done by Shane Bieber in the COVID shortening campaign for Cleveland in 2020. In 2012, the season that we're covering here today, the Tigers went 88 and 74 to win the Central, their first back-to-back division title since all the way back in 1934 and 1935. Let's remember some teams. <laughs> in the winter, they in that offseason they inked Prince Fielder, the free agent for the Milwaukee Brewers, and moved him over to third base, or moved Miguel Cabrera over to third base, I should say. They did not put Prince Fielder at a third base. Let's remember some questionable coaching decisions in my head. <laughs> No. Uh, during that offseason, they also part with a lot of familiar faces from that 06 Tigers renaissance, so to speak, after the uh, 119 loss 2003 campaign. Party ways of Maglio Ordonez, Carlos Guillen, and Brandon Inge. Also, Victor Martinez suffers an ACL tear in the offseason and misses the entire season. Uh, the big acquisition for the Tigers was getting Anibal Sanchez and Omar Infante from the Marlins. Before we get to the team leaders for the Tigers, any thoughts so far on some of the stuff we've mentioned here? I mean, I remember going to I have this at home. I have like a magazine from when we went to Seattle in 2011. And there's like a full page in that magazine talking about why the Mariners should sign Prince Fielder in that offseason. Like, <laughs> I, I have it. I have it at home somewhere. It's at, not with me and Prince Albert. It's at home in Lethbridge somewhere. But I, I remember that, like how big of a deal it was for Prince Fielder to go to Detroit just because... You know, he's a uh, well-regarded slugger in, in uh, Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. And also, Dad Cecil played for the Tigers, too, back in the day. So that's obviously yeah. a big deal as well. But I, and I think, spoiler, I believe Prince and Cecil had the same amount of career home runs when it was all said and done. Yes. So, when it comes to the team leaders that year for the Tigers... Miguel Cabrera, <laughs> batting average 330, homers 444, and RBIs 139. The first triple crown winner since Carl Yastrzemski of the Red Sox in 1967. Stolen bases was a guy, Quentin Berry, 21. Verla- Verlander across the board for pitching leaders with wins 17, 264 ERA, and 239 strikeouts. Saves leader, Jose Valverde with 35. More on him later. So that brings us to the Oakland Athletics. Manager Bob Melvin is in his second season, his first full campaign since taking over from Bob Garrett in June 9th of 2011. Uh, Billy Bean has been a general manager there since 1997. In 2011, he finished third in the West, 74 and 88. 
This season, 94-68 to win the West, their first division title since 2006 when they went 93-69 and lost the Tigers in the ALCS. In this season, in 2012, they were 13 back of the Texas Rangers on June 30th, 5 back of 9 days left, and beat the Rangers in the season finale uh, to win the pennant. We'll get to the Rangers in a little bit. They also, Oakland led the majors with 15 walk-off wins that season. A lot of changes during the offseason because it's Oakland at that time. Trevor Cahill and Gio Gonzalez were dealt to the Diamondbacks and Nationals, respectively, coming back the other way. Derek Norris, Tommy Malone, Brad Peacock, Jared Parker, Ryan Cook, among others. Also, Andrew Bailey and Ryan Sweeney were dealt to Boston for Josh Reddick. They also signed Jonas Cespedes from Cuba with Josh Willingham leaving as a free agent. During the midseason, pitcher Brett Anderson comes back after being injured, but they do lose Brandon McCarvey, takes a liner off the head during a late-season game. He's in the dugout during this game, but doesn't play again, and then moves on to Arizona, I think, that offseason. I remember how scary that was mm-hmm. for, Brandon, for Brandon McCarthy, because I remember, I didn't realize it was this year, I thought it was 2013, mm-hmm. but I, I do remember that particular play with him and how scary that was, because, like, I mean, I've... I played sports growing up. I was a pitcher growing up. I took a line drive off the back of the skull when I was 10. Mm. So I, can, I, I, I didn't get injured to the extent of Brandon McCarthy. Thankfully, I was okay because I was able to get a, get a glove on it and take most of most of the heat off it. Mm-hmm. So in the, scary. Yeah. In the leader's side of things, batting average was Cespedes, 292. Reddick led in homers and RBIs at 32 and 85. Coco Crisp. Stolen base leader 39. He'll be a big part in this podcast. Wins leader was Tommy Malone and Jared Parker at 13. ERA, A.J. Griffin, 306. Parker was a strikeout leader with 140. And Rays legend, my team that is, Tampa Bay, Grant Balfour with 24. Grant Balfour, who pretty much describes the insane asylum that was Oakland <laughs> on this night. Because him and the starting pitcher for Detroit, who we'll get to, that I'll, we'll get to later, all probably belong in the same asylum, for being honest with <laughs> Yes. So your standings that year. In the East, the New York Yankees win their second straight division title, 95-67 record. Baltimore, uh, 93-69, their first winning record and playoff appearance since 1997 during the wildcard playing game. Missing out for the first time since 2009, Tampa Bay Rays of 90 wins. Toronto had 73. Uh, John Farrell, the manager, is dealt to Boston at the end of the year, and that brings back John Gibbons as manager. The Red Sox, fresh off their 2011 collapse, They'll have 69 wins. Not so nice. Their first <laughs> their first last place division finish since 1992. Bobby Valentine is as manager after just one season. In the Central, as we mentioned, Detroit with 88 wins. Chicago, 85. Kansas City, 72. Cleveland ends up with 68 wins. They had they were 44-41 and 41 at the All-Star break, then went 24-53. and 53. Bad. That leads to Manny Acta being axed on September 27th, and Minnesota at the bottom of the Central with 66 wins. Over in the West, Oakland with 94 wins edges out Texas with 93 wins. That seems bad when you have a 13-game lead collapse and then get swept in the final weekend by Oakland. Yeah. LA with Angels, obviously that offseason they, they had 89 wins. That offseason their big splash is getting Albert Pujols and C.J. Wilson in the free agency. And also some guy named Mike Trout becomes a national star. And Seattle at the bottom of 75 wins. Note 14, so we'll get to that in a little bit. Any thoughts on the AL as a whole before we move on to the NL, a league that you follow a little bit more closely because of your fandom? I mean, just trying to, try to think back here to, to 2012. I believe this was 
also this season Machado debuted, if I'm not mistaken, or at least he was Baltimore's number one prospect at the time. He might that have sounds right. I'm just gonna double check. He, I don't. I think he came up partway through. Uh, he came up in August, and his first full year was in 2013. Yeah. So he he had a he was on the roster during the playoffs, I believe, and some other games in the in the division series. Let's remember Raul Labonte. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, I'm trying to think about the, <clears throat> this this at the time. Obviously, this was a period when Detroit was a lot better than they are now, just mm-hmm. with, the, with the with the guys they have on 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 their roster. Because I did they win the Central in thirteen and fourteen as well. I think they did. I think they did. We'll get. To, I have it in my notes. But we'll get to it in a little bit at the end of the program. And then this was when the still when the Blue Jays were hadn't made the playoffs since '93. Mm-hmm. So, and this was before um, Anthopolis hit the let's trade for everybody from Miami route. Um, <laughs> yes, that's coming the following season. Then in 2015, it's the let's save try and save my job by trying to buy everybody at the deadline that year, which everybody forgets I, about. <laughs> Because <laughs> um, I saw them in Seattle in 2011, as mentioned earlier. Mariners Blue Jays was my first pair of Major League Baseball games that year. Um, but yeah, I was I was still relatively young at the time, so I wasn't following. I was just mostly following the Blue Jays probably at the time, mm-hmm. and not necessarily the the entire league as a whole like I do now. Right. But plenty plenty of guys though floating around the league. If we're being honest, there's yes. a lot of guys. Um, in terms of the National League at this point, we'll touch a little bit on this here. Uh, in the East, Washington of 98 wins get their first playoff appearance since their move from Montreal. Washington team hadn't been in the playoffs since the 1933 Senators. Let's remember some more olden teams. Atlanta on 94 yep. wins. Philadelphia of 81 wins. They missed the playoffs for the first time in 2006. The Mets of 74 wins. Johan Santana throws a no-hitter against St. Louis on June 1st. That's the first ever no-hitter for the Mets. And the newly rebranded Miami Marlins now play out of Marlins Park with the amazing statue. 69 wins. Not so nice opening campaign for them. Ozzie Guillen is done after one year as manager. I think, but I mean, that was surprising because I think everyone thought the Marlins were going to be a wagon that year. Well, because they had gotten then, Burley and Reyes, I think, that offseason. That sounds right. He, yes. Plus, Heath Bell was also an addition that offseason, if I'm not mistaken, just with the existing guys they had like Hadley Ramirez already in place there God let's remember let's Emilio Bonifacio let's remember some 2012 <laughs> um, and those guys like Josh Johnson in the rotation who mm-hmm. they thought they were going to get big big things out of and whatnot, but they just never never really took off and I think was Guillen fired because he made comments about Fidel Castro? I can't remember. That was early in the campaign, if I recall, so I figured it didn't help in <laughs> hindsight. Because <laughs> I thought that's why he was fired, for making comments about Fidel Castro. But Let me take a look here. The, the Guillen stuff was early in the campaign, but I think it did play a part in it. <laughs> they had all the hype of the rebrand of the new ballpark and everything like that, and they just fell 
in St. Louis. <laughs> and that was before, like, Stanton comes on and Jose Fernandez, rest in peace, um, comes on yeah. to the scene. So it's that weird time with the Marlins where they like, loading up with guys, but they also have some guys coming down the pipe. I think Yelich exactly. was in there, too. Yeah, like, Yelich, Yelich was a top prospect at that time, obviously. Jose Fernandez, I think, wasn't, didn't debut until halfway through 2013, if I recall mm-hmm. correctly. But he would have been in the system at the time. I don't know how well regarded he was in 2012. But, yeah, uh, I think his stock for... really rised going into that 2013 offseason and he dominated in the spring. But anyway, another topic for another time. To the Central. Since he leaves with 97 wins, St. Louis 88, Milwaukee 83. The Pittsburgh Pirates were 67-54 and 54 on August 19th. They finished 79-83 for a 20th straight losing campaign. Pain, brother. Speaking of pain, the Chicago Cubs put together their worst record since 1966. It was 61-101 and record, but it's a start of the Jed Hoyer-Theo Epstein era. I think that works out okay for them. Yes, because I saw the Cubs in 2014, and there was some pieces of the championship team were already starting to surface there. Like, when I was there in 2014, because Anthony Rizzo had a good season for for the Cubs that year, and Javi Baez had been in the major leagues for, like, two weeks at that point. So I remember mm-hmm. they, they weren't quite at that that point, but they they were showing that some some of the guys that contributed to the championship were already in the, in the organization at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of the division, you may notice that we haven't mentioned a certain team yet. The Houston Astros, in their final season in the NL Central, they moved to the West the following year as part of their ownership change, 55-107. and 107. Uh, Brad Mills was axed as manager on August the 18th. Quickly, in the NL West, San Fran of 94 wins, LA 86, Arizona 81, San Diego 76, and Colorado 64 wins. That ends Jim Tracy's tenure as Rockies manager after four seasons. I can't say I really remember Jim Tracy at all. <laughs> um, this marks also 2012, the first uh, ever wild card game. Uh, they'd previously been the wild card winner gets in along with three division champions. Now they have two wild card slots starting this year to win or take all game. In the AL, Texas collapses confirmed with a 5 1 win for Baltimore. And in Atlanta, the Cardinals beat the Braves 6 3. This is known for the Andrelton Simmons infield fly rule play game. Also, the uh, last. I, I Yes, and also the last game for Chipper Jones as he retires at the end of the season. Yes, Yorkton, Yorkton Cardinals legend, Andrelton Simmons. <laughs> Something I need to search for on a paper site for content for you, I think. Anyways, as of October 10th, 2012, here's where things stand in the series. Um, 2-1 lead for the Yankees on the Orioles. A 3-2 extra innings win on this night in 12 innings. The aforementioned Raul Banez, the, the hero in that one. Uh, in the NLDS, the Cardinals lead 2-1 after an 8-0 road win over the Nationals, and the Giants have tied things up at with the Reds following an 8-3 win in Cincinnati. That brings us to this series. Uh, it is the third meeting between the A's and Tigers. We already mentioned the series that took place back in 2006. Uh, Maggie Odonia's walk-off homer in Game 4 at Comerica to send the Tigers to the World Series for the first time since 1984. Let's remember some home runs. <laughs> yeah, but, but that was a great call too. I, I haven't watched the game, but I've seen the call of the York Orange shot. And it was a pretty good, pretty good call. Do you know who's the call on that call? I can't remember his name, but he's he's the Nick Castellanos guy. Yes, it is the man of faith himself, Tom Brennan. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 the name. I just couldn't have the, didn't have the name. 
I'm from. I like how that's how we describe it. He's just going to be now, man of faith guy. Man of faith and the Castellanos guy. <laughs> the other meeting between these two teams was way back in 1972 in the ALCS, which was the best of five at that point. The Athletics won that in five over the Tigers. So in game one, October 6th at Comerica, 3-1 win for Detroit. Alex Avila, a solo shot in the fifth inning. Uh, Justin Verlander, seven innings, three hits, 11 Ks. Jared Parker, six and two-thirds, seven hits, and five strikeouts. In game two on October 7th, Tigers win 5-4 in a back-and-forth game. Don Kelly, guy, guy, <laughs> scored a wild pitch in the eighth to tie it and then won on a walk-off sack fly. The first postseason walk-off win for the Tigers since the Mangio Doros homer in 2006. Josh Reck and Homer in the eighth inning with the Tigers out in front. Or the, sorry, the Athletics out in front. Tommy Malone with 6K and 6 innings. Doug Fister 8 and 7. And then the day before this game, October 9th, a 2-0 win for the Athletics in Oakland at the O.Co. Coliseum. Seth Smith, a first inning RBI single. And Seth Smith, a homer in the fifth with all the runs that Oakland needed. Brett Anderson, 6 innings, 2 hits allowed and 6 strikeouts. Ryan Cook, Sean Doolittle, and Grant Balfour combined for 2 hits allowed and 5 strikeouts in the final 3 innings. Anibal Sanchez, a starter for the Tigers, 6 in the 3rd. With three Ks and five hits. Anything we want to add here before we get to our broadcast team in tonight's lineups? Don Kelly is a guy. There are some. Uh, you go up and down these. When we get to the lineups, you, there's guys all over the place. And mm-hmm. there's guys all over the place it's in 2012. I mean, like, Tommy Malone, that's a guy right there. <laughs> we, we, we can sit here for hours and just remember guys off these two teams. But I think. Yes, but first, because I, yes, I was going to the lineups and we'll go into the broadcast team. Starting with the Detroit Tigers, uh, this will be the batting order and the starting pitcher. Center fielder, Austin Jackson. Left field, Quinton Berry. Third base, Miguel Cabrera. First base, Prince Fielder. D.H. Delman Young. Uh, so far in this series, the heart of the order, a combined 7 for 33. Young, the only RBI. Seems bad. Right fielder, Andy Dirks, bat six, major guy. Johnny Peralta at shortstop. Alex Avila at catcher. Omar Infante at second. And on the hill, right-hander Max Scherzer. Last nine starts 5-1 and one with a 150 ERA and an opposition average of 190. Andy Dirks, though. That's, that's, a, that's a definite guy. And Quinton <laughs> Berry, too. Like, those corner outfield spots. Like, I, I remember we used to do this thing. On, we used to, on these bus trips all the time when I played baseball growing up, we, we used to play what's called the name game. I'm not sure if you're familiar, but what it is is that if, if like, I tell you Mike Trout, you have to give me a guy whose first name starts with the letter T, mm-hmm. and then whatever his the first initial of his last name is, I have to give you the, um, you know what, yeah. a guy whose a guy whose name starts with the, the last initial or whatever. And Quinton Berry was probably one of the best guys to play if someone steward you with a Q. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um. With the Oakland Athletics lineup, center fielder Coco Chris, shortstop Steven Drew, left field Yohannes Cespedes, first base Brandon Moss, right field Josh Reddick, third base Josh Donaldson, a name lost to time and space, D.H. Seth Smith, catcher Derek Norris, second base Cliff Pennington, guy, and your starting pitcher, right-hander A.J. Griffin. Guy. <laughs> so, this game is broadcast on TNT. There's a TBS graphic, mind you, because you have the rights to it. Your broadcast team, Don Arcillo, then the Red Sox play-by-play guy, now those games are the Padres. Jimmy Maggio is our on-the-scene reporter, but our color man, man about town, Buck Martinez. <laughs> but, but good old Buck, like, I thought he, was, he did a really good job of color commentary. 
in the in this game, but he didn't quite do as much guy remembering as he does present day with Dan <laughs> yes. Shulman on the on the Sportsnet Blue Blue Jays broadcast because there are several times this year where we're just doing layout at the Herald and I throw on throw on the Jays game just to watch slash listen to while we while we do layout right. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, Buck goes off these tangents and it piques the interest of everybody when he, he remembers a guy from like 1987. <laughs> oh man, that that my kind of audience. He knows his target audience. Me, Alexa. <laughs> That's it. So, uh, the game itself. Um, we'll get to it now here. Unless there's anything else we want to add to lineups other than guys. <laughs> guys, Cabrera. Yeah. His body was kind of going on him, but he was arguably the best hitter in Major League. He was the best hitter in Major League Baseball at this at this point in time, I'd, mm-hmm. just, I'd say. Yeah, because Pujols' decline basically starts right after 2011 World Series. Oh, I think he had a good year his first year in, in L.A., but that's just me trying to remember off the top of my head. And Trout's starting, but he's not full Trout yet. The, the glimpses are there, though. So, top of the first inning, uh, Jackson flies out to Chris. The ball becomes between him and Cespedes in left center. Quinton Berry then gets a 10-pitch at-bat battle with Griffin. He, up the, he gets it up the middle off this Griffin's glove, but Drew is there to get the out. And Cabrera flies out to Cespedes to end the inning. Bottom of the first, Chris is greeted by the Bernie dance, but lines out the Prince Fielder. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was like a shot, too, if I remember. <laughs> yes. Um, Stephen Drew uh, strikes out a letter-high elevated fastball. Cespedes then lines a slider to left for a base hit. Uh, Moss of a swing and a miss on some heat that ends the inning. Two Ks for Max Scherzer. A strand one. It's no score after the first inning. Yeah, both starters got what they wanted because I think that first inning is so important for guys, especially in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Top of the second inning, Fielder, who is 3 for 39, heading into this at-bat against the A's in 10 games this season, combined with playoffs, and homeward off Griffin on September 18th, flies it out to deep left field as Cespedes catches it at the track. Young then pops it up to Moss at first base in the short at-bat. Dirks hits a high pitch over the head of Donaldson at third base for a double, uh, but Peralta, the next hit, or next at-bat, hits the shallow right, and Reddick is there with the catch. The Tigers strand a runner and are now 3 for 18 of runners in scoring position in this series. Woof. Pretty much. That's all. What else am I just gonna say there? <laughs> so, bottom of the second inning. You mentioned Buck isn't as wild with name dropping. There is an exception. Buck is talking about how the crowd at this game in Oakland is very similar to what we see for Oakland Raiders games. My note is sure. <laughs> it's wild, but not Oakland Raiders game wild. Let's get that out there. I mean, if this if this game if we're describing this game as the Asanas style, what do we describe the, the Ra- Oakland Raiders atmosphere as? Altamont. That's a very obscure reference yeah. for the kids, but they'll know what it means. There you go. And. Uh, but Buck then name drops Chili Davis, the A's hitting coach. So he is name dropping guys for the kids. Yeah, but he, at least like with the Jays, he names with the Jays broadcast now. He name drops guys that like aren't present at the stadium. <laughs> <laughs> and at least with Chili Davis, I mean, like he's on the bench for Oakland that night, right? Like, yes. Um, start of the bottom of the second inning. Reddick swings and misses on a full count. Nasty changeup. But Scherzer already has his third K of the game. Uh, Reddick has now struck out in seven of his 11 at-bats in this series. Donaldson then chops one up to Scherzer. 
That's Jordan Fielder for the out. And then Smith swings at one out of the zone. Four strikeouts for Scherzer. Still no score. So Scherzer's okay, I guess. Yeah, he's, he's good. He got like a $200 million plus dollar contract in, I guess, two years after this. Mm-hmm. Top of the third inning, Alex Sevilla, who's back in the catcher from Gerald Laird, guy, the night before, takes advantage of a hanging curve down the right field line for a double as Griffin had just missed out on a strike call uh, on the previous pitch. That's up the two and two play there. Infante did have a sack bunt, what is this, the National League, to move a field of third on the first out of the inning. That brings up Austin Jackson. Outfield straight away. Line in the left field, a base hit for Austin Jackson. Avila will score, and it's the Tigers who jump on top one to nothing. Well, you get the leadoff double, you better cash it in, and that's exactly what the Tigers do. Avila started the inning off with a double, and then after the sacrifice bunt, that looked like a high changeup, and Jackson delivers. The base hit to left field. The pitch was up again, and the two pitches that had been put into play this inning by Griffin have both been up in the strike zone. Jackson lines one down the left base side for a base hit single. That brings home Avila, and the Tigers are out in front, one to nothing. Small ball works, baby. (laughs) (laughs) You have Miguel Cabrera, but who cares? We're bunting. We got Omar and Fonte. Cabrera's not due up for a bit yet. Quentin Berry then flies one out to center field. It's caught by Chris. Then Cabrera grounds it out to Pennington for the third out. So a runner is left on base, but no harm, no foul in a sense. Tigers are in front, 1-0. Indeed they are. Game of, game of inches comes to play right there because like they don't mean they don't get that called third and then double down the line leads to leads to a run and that's why managers get so mad at at umpires when they don't get the calls they think they should. Mm-hmm. Um, bottom of the third inning, they mentioned the MLB fan cave. Bring back the MLB fan cave. Are you familiar with the MLB fan cave, Nathan? Oh yeah, I, I recall being that at like 13, 12, 13 year old me would be like that would be sick. <laughs> I, I remember that. I'm like I want to do. I, I looked at. I looked at I, I think I pointed out to my mom and mom or my dad to be like I want to do that one day and the, the look on their face was just disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So to, to just sit there and watch baseball all day. <laughs> me, I don't want to watch current games. Release the 1984 footage. <laughs> Release the 03 Tigers footage. Anyway, release the shot footage of. Medicine Hat Lethbridge Game 7, cowards. Release the Doc Ellis LSD no-hitter game. That's that's what we want to see. Bottom of the third inning, Norris is, just looks silly by Scherzer as, he, as Scherzer gets his fifth K of the game. Pennington bloops it up the middle, but Peralta's there at the catch. And then first pitch, Chris pops it right up to Prince Fielder. That ends the inning. one nothing Tiger still after three. Top of the fourth inning begins with Prince Fielder. He's batting 0-77 and 1-13 for 13 in this series. Let's see what he does. Fielder hits one high and deep to right field. Reddick will just watch this one leave. Home run for Prince Fielder, who had 30 during the regular season. Puts the Tigers on top 2 to nothing. He's been so frustrated in this series, and he breaks out here with a home run. He hit that one far enough to make sure nobody could catch it. And that's a big swing of the bat to give Oakland, give the Tigers a 2-0 lead. He's hit the ball hard in the last two games, including tonight, but this one is a no-doubter. 
That fastball just didn't get in far enough. Fan fielder hammered. Remember, he had a home run off Griffin back in Detroit in September. A two-run home run, part of three that the Tigers hit off A.J. Griffin. That might improve the batting average. He hits a bomb the right field that's gone as soon as he got a hit on it. Nice bat flip also. Tigers take a 2 nothing lead. And I mean, that's, a, that's an 0-2 pitch that Griffin was trying to go inside with the fastball against, uh, against a boy Prince there. And, like, he left it middle in. And a big lefty power slugger is like, fielder if you leave it middle in they're gonna hit the ball far mm -hmm. and that's what uh, Prince did and that really shows like how good he was before he got like all those neck injuries and mm -hmm. stuff and he got banished to Texas <laughs> yeah so we'll get that a little bit later on in the show uh, Young comes up and hits one that drops right in front of Reddick for a single as Buck is still finishing rambling there in that clip. Uh, Dirks hits it up the middle that Griffin has to avoid the base hit. Griffin gets visited by Evans, as, gets visited on the mound as Evan Scrivener, guy, warms up in the ball pen. So, oh, yeah, Tigers are putting some pressure on the ace as Johnny Peralta comes up. On the ground towards second, uh, flip the second for one, on to first for two. Nicely dug out by Brandon Moss. A double play that Griffin needed badly. And thanks to the nice pick by Moss, they get it done. We had mentioned that Griffin had induced just two double plays in the regular season. And this time, Pennington, Drew, and then Moss on the other end with the dig out of the dirt. A much-needed double play. And Griffin gets some help from his defense. A grounder to Pennington goes right into a double play as Young moves to third with two outs. As Buck had mentioned in that clip, Griffin had induced just two double plays all season at that point. It's not a bad time to induce a third double play for the season. And, I mean, if this is present day, if this game is taking place in 2023, I highly doubt Melvin lets, uh, lets, lets Griffin face Peralta in that situation mm -hmm. with with two, with a couple runners on nobody out he would probably say okay guy we need the guy in the bullpen <laughs> uh, Avila then flies out to deep left field Tessas makes the catch it's two nothing Tigers after top of the fourth frame but they leave one on but it could have been way worse for Oakland in that situation there yeah bottom of the fourth inning Dr Stephen Drew hits a hard hit to right but Dirks is there for the catch a high fly to right on the first pitch swing by Cespedes. Dirks catches that one. And a shallow left field pop-up to Peralta for Moss. A decent five-pitch inning for Max Scherzer. There you go. Efficiency, 100. Uh, top for the fifth. Infante is caught looking at strike three. Griffin's first strikeout of the day. Jackson then takes a hanging curve right to Cespedes in left field. The six-pitch at-bat with Barry. He pops up into foul, foul territory. Griffin comes in to get that one. Two-nothing Tigers after top for the fifth. It is time to begin the bomb of the fifth, but first a word from our sponsor. 2-0 Tigers have the lead as we get ready for the bottom of the fifth inning. Well, this January on TBS, brand new episodes of Cougar Town are coming. You heard it right. Brand new episodes on a brand new network. Cougar Town has moved to TBS. The new season begins this January only on TBS. Well, it's not a Kevin Harlan ad read, and I would have died if Buck Martinez had done the ad read here, but Cougar Town, ladies and gentlemen. Truly a generational television program. I mean, where would we be as a society today 
without Cougar Town. I vaguely I mean, remembered the show. I it's not as bad as when Deadspin before with the zombie Deadspin did a bit where they play. It's like a fifteen minute highlight reel of Joe Buck introducing canceled Fox shows that like lasted less than a year. I'll have to send that to you later with the clip still up. But it, that is the energy I got from this. And, and they're ad- advertising that it like it comes out this January. I mean, I get this is October. This is the beginning, first half of October. I mean, still like two plus months away from debuting. Yet they're heavily advertising this show, as we'll talk about later. Yes. And also, the visuals for this are just chef's kiss. I mean, <laughs> the, the, this, they have like the, the camera for a majority of the ad read on this the sprinkler kid. The kid like doing the sprinkler. Well, Don Arcella does the ad read, and I mean. <laughs> Immediately after they're done the ad read, instead of talking about the show like you do with certain, like some broadcaster, like they'll talk about whatever they did the ad read on for a little bit, they just immediately talk about everything but Cougar Town. Yeah, so we're talking about the sprinkler, and then Buck starts rambling about Max Scherzer at Missouri. I looked, I couldn't find any Max Scherzer games in Missouri for future podcasts. <laughs> yeah, like, give the people what they want, Don and Buck, like, come on. <laughs> uh, so, Mom and the Fam. Reddick swings and misses on a nasty changeup from Scherzer. Six Ks for Scherzer. Uh, Donaldson thinks he's got to walk on a high slider, but it's ruled strike three. Breaking. Donaldson is mad. Seven strikeouts for for Scherzer. Buck then name drops Mickey Lolich. As Max, with uh, 13 games with nine or more strikeouts for the Tigers that season, Lolich had 15 in 1971. There you go. Uh, see, we're learning about guys in this program, kids. <laughs> it's an exciting afternoon for everybody. Smith draws a walk the first of the day for sure. Then we get a shot of Press Row. A lot of old-timey folks in there learning to use laptops. I think the average and, age was 56. And, and the old, like, like CRT television <laughs> <laughs> that has the game broadcast on. Like, like the old, like, bubble yes. TV. That, that TV probably weighed, like, 250 pounds because <laughs> of the, the old like projector bulb in the back kind of thing. <laughs> As we're discussing old technology, Norris of a bloop single to right that lands just, that just lands fair. In Font, um, a little bit of trouble snagging it there. I, th- I have in Fonte, which I think is right. Uh, but Smith is stopped at third. Runners at the corners of two outs. That brings up Cliff Pennington. Uh, nothing else. They have taken a lot out of Max Scherzer in this inning, pitch count-wise. He's had to work very hard. Uh, and it's not just the number of pitches. It's the pitches with emotion. It's a 2 nothing game. And obviously, every pitch is crucial at this point. Pennington strikes out Scherzer with a big K to get him. Ends up striking out the side. Eight in all. Two nothing Tigers. A nasty pitch ends that at bat. Eight Ks for Scherzer. Oakland strands a pair. Two nothing Detroit through five innings. That's like Scherzer missed very badly on that on that pitch that he got the the swing and miss on. Like I think Avila wanted it down like down and away, and it was down and in almost to the point that it hits Pennington, but he swung at it anyway, just because that's how filthy Max Scherzer was on this particular night. Mm-hmm. Uh, top of the sixth inning, Cabrera hits one to shallow center that falls in between Crisp and Drew. Assessment is there in the weeds. 
That's a single. Chris is actually watching the replay. Chris is actually caught going backwards at first, then comes back to come and try and get the ball. Uh, that ends Griffin's night. We'll get to his stats later on. And in comes left-hander Jerry Blevins. That's the guy. <laughs> first hitter, he faces Fielder. Fielder goes up the middle, bouncing between the legs of Blevins on the mound to Drew, who runs the second and fires it first for a double play. People are now using rally towels as umbrellas in the stands, I'm noticing at this point. Yeah, I was playing <laughs> I don't know what you're implying. <laughs> Young then grounds out to Drew. It's still 2 nothing Tigers. Bottom of the sixth inning starts off a 10-pitch at-bat for Coco Crisp. On a 2-2, he gets a grounder down the line that goes off the bottom of fielder's glove, pass first, and into the outfield, giving Crisp a double on the air. Arms start coming up in the bullpen during that battle for the Tigers, Octavio Dotel and Phil Coke. <laughs> yes. Uh, Drew uh, works to a 3-2. There's a mound visit on, or works to a 3-2 count. There's a mound visit, 2-0 pitch. Then on 2-2, a change-up a change gets past the Via. That moves Chris to the third. Then... Drew will line one towards right center field. It will get down and head back to the track of the wall. Chris will score the first day's run. Stephen Drew is headed for third, and the throw, he will be very out at third base. Boy, that's a big mistake by Stephen Drew. Nobody out in the inning. He was going to be at second, no problem, but he tried to get to third, and that's a big mistake. He drives in the run and hits a heck of a pitch down, maybe out of the strike zone low. But the outfielder... Austin Jackson plays it perfectly, makes a strong throw to the cutoff man. And you can see Infante throws a strike to third, and Drew is out by a mile. That's a bad gamble by Stephen Drew. So the first out of the inning comes at third base. As Jim Leland makes his way out to the mound. Max Scherzer, fantastic through the first five. And just waiting for the runner to arrive. Drew finally does. Well, and you can see Cabrera put his knee down in front of the bag, and Drew wasn't going to get there at all. But, boy, that's a big mistake by Stephen Drew. Scherzer leaves. The A's are on the board. It is 2-1 to Detroit. Drew hits one to right center field that goes to the, heads to the wall. Chris scores, and then Drew decides to go for a triple and is very out. As you heard, Buck Martinez is shook. <laughs> Absolutely shook. And we were watching this at, at the office. And, we, and like when we heard the clip of uh, Orsillo saying, and he is very out of third base. It got a noticeable chuckle from everybody listening. <laughs> so as you also heard, Leyland comes out, sadly not smoking the dart. Noted smoker, Jim Leyland. <laughs> Tragedy. Uh, that ends Max Scherzer's day, and here comes Immaculate Good Regent Octavio Dotels. It's 2 1. Buck goes on for a while about the getting called out. I mean, it doesn't prove to be bad on his side, but at the same time, it's like, all right, we got momentum going. I'm just going to go get the first out of the inning at third base. So, Cespedes comes up. Monster cuts on a 2 0 pitch, and again on 2 1. Then he has a high check swing that goes through for, the, for a strikeout. Woof. <laughs> you're yeah, Cespedes, everybody. Well, I have to think that this was like Cespedes, like rookie season, too. Yes. The family barbecue hasn't even formed yet. That gives you an idea of how old this is. 
French or whatever he <laughs> yes. is. Uh, yeah, not, no wild Johannes Cespedes content at this point in time. Like, you, you've seen the scouting video, right? Like that where the barbecue name comes from? Because it finishes <laughs> him roasting a pig. <laughs> <laughs> Let's remember some recruiting videos. <laughs> yes. Um... Moss comes in, he takes a two-out walk, though Dotel thinks he may have gone around in a swing. Smoke and Jim Leland has seen enough, and in comes the lefty Phil Coke. Off. And Phil Coke, like, always sprints in, which is... He, like, full-on sprint from the bullpen, is what <laughs> Phil Coke was known for. At yes. least that's what I remember him for. Uh, Reddick hits one to deep right center. The fans get excited, but Jackson gets it on the warning track. One runner left on base, but it is now a 2-1 ball game after six innings. Top back is real. <laughs> Top of the seventh inning, Dirks chops one to Pennington for the first out. That brings up Johnny Peralta. On the ground down the line at third. It's a fair ball. Donaldson from one knee. The throw is in time. What a play. Josh Donaldson from foul ground throws out Johnny Peralta at first base. Now, Josh Donaldson's background as a catcher served him very well on this play. First of all, he's hugging the line to guard against the double. You can see his position near the line. This ball goes over the bag. He backhands and then throws from his knee, much like he would had he been behind the plate as a catcher. He started three games behind the plate this year, but he has really tightened up defensively at third base and makes a fine play in support of Jerry Blevins. Jerry Blevins loves it. Peralta with a grounder down the line, that's fair. Donaldson dives for it, then on one knee in foul territory, throws it to first, it's dug out by Moss on the bounce, so to speak, for a second out. Great play, but not so great sell job by Don Rosillo going, Jerry Blevins loving it. <laughs> and this is like pure vintage Donaldson. Like this is, what I, this is the type of play I remember Josh Donaldson for when he inevitably gets traded for Brett Laurie. The guy, mm -hmm. um, like that, he's really kind of plays that I remember Donald Donaldson making when he was in the prime of his career and not the whatever he is on the Yankees right now. Yes. But uh, like this is what I think about Josh Donaldson playing third base. This is the kind of play that I think of before he got like a thousand calf issues and whatever else kept him out of the lineup with New York this year. Mm hmm. So. Uh, to finish off the inning, Avila of a chopper to Moss and Blevins comes over for the out. It's time to stretch, kids. It's 2-1. And you better be stretching because we have a right-hander Al Albuquerque sighting. Yes! That's my guy. <laughs> yes. Albuquerque caused beef in game two as he kissed the baseball before throwing Jonas Cespedes out. <laughs> uh, wild things that caused beef back in 2012. And yes. Hot guys <laughs> Uh, Donaldson of a liner to Infante who leaps up to make the catch for the first out. Smith is caught looking at a nice 84 mile per hour breaking ball and to end that one. And then Norris of a chopper to third to Cabrera who gets him out. Still 2 1 Tigers. Yeah, Albuquerque. I think he had himself a nice little career. I, don't, I think he had a. I want to say he was a, on a minor league deal with the Jays at one point in time. Like, never made the team, but I just remember watching him in spring training. Like a random sports that spring training game. Top of the eighth inning, left-hander Sean Doolittle, excuse me, now in for the Athletics. Infante of a grounder ends up getting by Drew for a single. Uh, Jackson of a sack bunt, more small ball, 
uh, to get Infante over to second. As that brings up, oh, bad news, kids. Quinton Berry's out of the game, but we got Avisil Garcia now pinch hitting. Garcia grounds one right side into right field, a base hit. Omar Infante being waved around. The throw from Rennick is not going to be in time, and the Tigers have a 3 1 lead. So the sacrifice bunt to get Infante into scoring position, and Garcia with a pinch hit RBI single, and the Tigers take a 3 1 lead. Garcia had a pinch hit during the regular season, and he gets a big pinch hit here. That fastball just stayed out over the plate. He didn't try to do too much with it and just shoots it into right field. Reddick's got a terrific arm, but Infante running from second got a great break on the base hit and scores ahead of the strong throw. Garcia of a hard ground to right center. Infante scores a big RBI single as the Tigers now extend their lead to 3-1. to one. And at this time, like, it was absolutely wild, the comparison. Like, Garcia's 21 years old at this point in time. And the, the comparisons for them were absolutely wild. Because <laughs> I, I even heard him dubbed at one point Little Mickey. <laughs> like, people thought he was going to be that good. Like, he's he proven to be a very good big leaguer when he's healthy and not playing for the Marlins. Uh, Ray's legend. <laughs> yeah, Ray, Ray's legend. Milwaukee Brewers legend. Like, and it was... And that, like, this kind of shows why people think that, because, I mean, he didn't try to do too much with it. He got a pitch away, and he just hit a ground ball through the right side. That's all he really needed to do to score a run for his team. And that's what he did. And I don't think a lot of 21-year-olds playing in front of 50,000-plus Oakland crazy fans would have that kind of approach. Mm -hmm. So that was very good. That, that shows you why, how good why people thought that of Garcia at the time. Did it turn out? Hell no. He's not going <laughs> to hit 500 home runs and have 3,000 hits, but uh, still a good player. Cabrera pops up to Donaldson the second out. Garcia wouldn't have done that. <laughs> Fielder then hits a ground against by Diving Moss and Pennington. Garcia drives around the third, runners at the corners for two outs. That ends Doolittle's night. In comes righty Ryan Cook. Young grounds out to Pennington to end the inning. Tigers strand two, but are still leading 3-1. to one. Yeah, and that was big insurance run for them considering uh, the events that are going to happen later on. I'm not going to spoil it, though. Speaking of events, Don Orsillo is back with another important word from our sponsor. 3-1, to one, the Tigers have the lead over the A's. If you thought you knew what Cougar Town was about, then your thinking is all wrong. Thinking it's about friends and wine, just not in that order. Brand new season of Cougar Town begins on a brand new network this January on TBS. Now that, kids, is a Kevin Harlan-style ad read. <laughs> <laughs> What's even better is that right before the ad read starts on the broadcast, they, they, they're only playing literally the stadium audio, and it's uh, just bumping. I don't know if this is Cliff Pennington's walk-up song or whatever, but it's just playing Carly Rae Jepsen's Call Me. Yes, I noticed that. <laughs> <laughs> and you can kind of hear it in the background, too, I'm sure, it's, Orsillo makes the announcement. And that's also the line, friends and wine, but not in that order. <laughs> it's just... And, and we're deaf... And the other thing I wrote down in my notes here is that, that us, we are definitely the target demographic for Cougar Town 11 years later. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, whoever 
eyes on this specific game for TBS, I mean, congratulations. It was worth the investment 11 years later. Yes. So, as this is going on, Joaquin Benoit is now coming into right-handed reliever. Uh, Garcia goes to right and Dirks to left. Pennington grounds it right to fielder. Crisp flies out to Jackson. That's two outs. Uh, Druva hit the center, falls in front of Jackson for a base hit. Cespedes with a big cut again on a 1-0 pitch, then draws a walk. Tying runs now at first place. Pitching coach Jeff Jones, possible guy, comes out to chat with Benoit. And it's, a, and it's a pretty slow walk, too. Yeah. Moss is playing hero ball in his first two swings. He ends up striking out in a changeup and at ends the threat. A strand two, three one Tigers. Yeah, unfortunately the A's couldn't get uh, anything off Benoit but two level match match tossed it. I remember Benoit. He was I think he ended up with the Jays at one point, I wanna say in twenty sixteen. And he he might have been a waiver deadline guy too, if we're remembering trade. I think he was a waiver deadline guy too. Mm-hmm. And he was like just nails for like two weeks and then he like popped his Achilles and then was done for the season. But he was, I just remember him being really good for a very short period of time with the Jays. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're headed to the top of the ninth inning. Andy Dirks of a liner straight to Stephen Drew. Then Drew gets a uh, hopping ground ball from Peralta. And a swing and a miss by Avia ends the inning. 3-1 Tigers heading to the bottom of the ninth inning. Jose Valverde guy is in to close things out against an Oakland side that has scored a nice 69 runs in the ninth inning in the regular season. Hmm. Yep. Foreshadowing. <laughs> I mean, and of course they had to. I'm sure whoever was in the the, the like the stats guy is like, okay, we absolutely have to use this. Yes. Like, um, this is bad. Sorry, we have to use this. Mm-hmm. Reddick starts things off a ground ball down the right side, pass a diving Infante for a single. That brings up Josh Donaldson. Donaldson drives it out towards left center field, back towards the wall, and it is off the wall. Reddick will be stopped at third to second with a double as Donaldson, and it's second and third with nobody out for the A's. Donaldson hit a game-tying home run in the ninth against Seattle. Tom Wilhelmson. And he comes up with a huge hit in the ninth. Just missing a two-run home run off the top of the wall in left center. Donaldson... First pitch he at-bat hits one deep left center off the wall for a double. That moves Reddick to third base. Well, well, well. Things are getting interesting now. Also, Buck Martinez of a wild Tom Wilhelmsen name drop for the kids. I, I, he doesn't even say... He just says Tom Wilhelmsen. He doesn't even say like who Tom Wilhelmsen is. He just says Tom Wilhelmsen. Uh. <laughs> like, he like started to make a point about Tom Wilhelmsen and then he... He, like, just stopped in the middle of making a point about Tom Williams. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so that brings up Seth Smith. Smith, seven RBIs in the ninth inning in the regular season. Let's see what we can do here. Smith lines it towards right center field. It'll get down for a hit. Reddick will score. Donaldson behind him. Throw goes to second and safe there. This game is tied.
Lone save for Valverde. And Jeff Jones heads to the mound. Smith got his fastball and he didn't miss it. It was away, and he's able to drive it into center field. He ties the game up, but more importantly, he gets into scoring position with good hustle. He always had second base on his mind. Once he saw the base hit, he got out of the box in great shape. And now the winning run is in scoring position. After a big swing on 1-0, this time on the next pitch, he lines one to right center. That brings in Reddick and Donaldson. Swift gets the second, and we're all time tied up. Jones comes out to chat with Valverde after all that. You think? <laughs> you think? You think? You think? You need to talk to your closers, give up three straight hits at the lead. And I mean, this, and after this happens, what does the stadium DJ hit? Gangnam style. <laughs> <laughs> that is like the song of 20. Let's remember some tunes that were played during the that were popular at the time that were being played by the DJ in Oakland. Yes, he, uh, he knows his audience 13 years, I mean, 11 years later. I mean, he also, like, played, like, and this isn't the first time that Gangnam Style was played, because I think Gangnam Style was played, and you could hear it in the background before in the sixth inning. So this was the second time during the game they decided to play Gangnam Style. Mm-hmm. So... Um, after that, in comes a good Canadian boy, George Gutierrez, in for Norris, but he pops up to Miguel Cabrera in foul territory in his first swing. Good job, buddy. George Gutierrez, that's a guy. Yes. Also good immaculate great guy. Yeah. So, after that, that brings up Pennington. The first pitch almost down the line and right, but it's a foul. He's caught looking or a splitter for strike three off the a pitch. It's seriously off the zone on a pitch tracker. So... That brings up, with two outs, Coco Crisp. You're going to hear first a fun fact from Don Orsillo about the last A's walk-off win in postseason. I won't spoil it here, but a guy is involved. So make sure you're listening to the show for that as Coco Crisp comes up to bat. The last Oakland postseason walk-off win. Ramon Hernandez with an RBI single in the 12th off Derek Lowe in the ALDS Game 1 in 2003 against the Red Sox. Coco Crisp hit 367 during the regular season with runners in scoring position. That was third in the American League. Crisp will send it into right field, a base hit. Seth Smith coming around, and the Oakland A's will live another day. Game 5 is tomorrow. First pitch, Crisp hits one in the right. Garcia can't control it, and Smith scores. It is a 4-3 win for the Oakland Athletics. They make the final, that's the final score, and they force a game five. Everything gets thrown at or on Coco Crisp in the post-game chat, which you'll hear after this podcast. And, and I mean, like, this is probably, even, even with all his escapades in Slam Diego, mm-hmm. uh, I still think this is probably my favorite Don Arcello call of all time. Probably. Because he like he's like yelling, he's like game five, it's tomorrow. Like he just puts so much energy in, in into that call that it's just great. And and then they pan the pan the, the camera to like the crowd and stuff. And there's like dude, like four or five dudes hugging each other. Where the one guy I think is wearing like a Cespedes jersey, and they're just like going 
crazy and you can and like that would be a cool atmosphere with the Oakland Coliseum like I don't even know if they filled Mount Davis but I mean there was Mm -hmm. still a ton of people there and the energy there was just like this like and it was mentioned throughout the broadcast I don't know Buck said I don't know who he he was told by but they said it was the loudest baseball stadium they'd ever been in Mm -hmm. was that that uh was that was that this game? And it's just a shame that ownership in Oakland decided to punt everything recently, so they'll tear the team down to the studs, so they won't have anything like this mm-hmm. for for a long time. Even if the team does move to Vegas, it's going to be a long time before the team is competitive like this again. Mm-hmm. So your stats from this game: the Tigers, their first postseason walk-off loss since Nelson Cruz's grand slam for Texas in Game Two of the 2011 ALCS. Fielder two for four for homer and RBI. Dirks was two for four, as was a view of doubles. Scherzer, five and a thirds innings, three hits, one run, one walk, and eight strikeouts. Dotel, Coke, Albuquerque, and Benoit, one hit, two walks, and three Ks. Then Valverde, with the loss of the blown save. Four hits, three runs, and one K. Whoops. The first blown save for Valverde since a 7-6 loss to Cleveland on September 16th. Can I read this postseason stats? Yes. We'll, we'll get to the next Valverde appearance in a little bit in the ALCS. Spoilers. But I'll let you go ahead with postseason stats. Uh, postseason stats for Jose Valverde in 2012. He threw only two and two-thirds innings. A record of 0-1. He allowed 11 hits, two home runs, walked one batter, struck out six, nine earned runs, and an ERA of 30.38. Seems bad. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know, but that seems pretty bad to me, Chief. Um, in terms of Oakland, uh, we mentioned the walk-off wins earlier. 14 led MLB. 44 come from behind wins in the regular season as well for the Athletics. Uh, Drew was 2 for 4 of a double. Smith, 1 for 3 of 2 RBIs in a double. Donaldson also had a double. Uh, on the mound, Griffin, 5 innings. Also faced 1 batter in the 6. 7 hits, uh, 2 runs, 1 strikeout. Uh, Blevins, Doolittle, and Cook combined in the final, uh, I guess it'd be four innings uh, for this, to allow just three hits, one run, and one strikeout. So, what happens next? Well, October 11th, game number five. Eh, not as close as this one. Six nothing for Detroit, two runs in the third, and four in the seventh wrap things up for the Tigers. Austin Jackson, two for five with two RBIs and a double. I guess part of the reason they get shut out does Oakland because Justin Verlander pitches a complete game with 11 strikeouts and four hits allowed. Yeah, I put my notes here. Uh, I just said A's get Verlander in game five. Yes. Parker, six in the third with six strikeouts, seven hits, and four earned runs. Your final stats from the ALDS. Infante was 353 with six, six or 17 with double and no RBIs. Jackson bats five for 20 and three RBIs lead the way there. Verlander, ho-hum, two wins, 5, 5, 0.56 ERA, 22 strikeouts, and five walks allowed. Yeah, that's, that's pretty pedestrian, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, I guess. Seth Smith was about a 316, 6 for 19 of a double and two RBIs. Smith had three RBIs, the most by any player, despite going two for 15, but those hits were double and a homer. There you go. It's all about it. Chicks, if you get hits with guys on base. Chicks dig the lawn ball. And Parker was the only pitcher starter that is to pitch more than one game. 426 ERA, 11 strikeouts, and two walks for a 0-2 record. So, Parker was one of those guys that it's like, I think he had, he had Tommy John before, then he had Tommy John again, and then he never got back. Like He's one guy I wish would have stayed healthy because mm-hmm. he could have had a very good career. Like He could still be in the MLB today. Yeah. 
In the other series, we'll go ahead and get back to the LCS and the NLCS. Uh, J.J. Hardy gets an RBI double for Baltimore on top of the 13th, of course, at Game 5. The Yankees win October 12th, 3-1. The Giants complete their comeback against the Reds of a 6-4 win on Cincinnati. The Nationals tie things up to force a Game 5. They're one out away from advancing to the NLCS of a 7-5 leave and a bomb in the ninth inning. St. Louis scores four runs and wins the series. Cardinals Devil Magic strikes again. Magic pixie dust of BS for the Cardinals that they had there in the early 2010s where they they got to, like, they won the World Series at 11 with uh, David Freeze. They get, they... They lose, spoiler, but uh, they beat Washington, who was probably a much better baseball club than they were. I will like argue, though, in 2012, series. that was the year they shut down Strasburg, which, in hindsight, I mean, it worked nine years in 2019, but at the time, everyone's like, eh. Yeah, everybody was ready to crucify management in Washington for, for the sins of uh, shutting down Strasburg, but I mean, and it's a shame what happened to Steven Strasburg now. Mm-hmm. But, uh, like, he was pivotal on that 2019 championship team because I think he had a couple gutsy starts there in Houston Yeah, that uh, helped them. So in the ALCS, in game one, Tigers are up 4 nothing in the ninth inning. Jose Valverde gives up two two-run bombs to Ishiro and Raul Banez. Guys. <laughs> <laughs> Valverde is no longer the closer after that for some reason. <laughs> yeah, I wonder why. I mean, 30.380 or 8, that's elite numbers right there. The Tigers get two runs in the 12th inning, and Derek Jeter breaks his left ankle, stopping and Johnny Peralta grounder. That ends Jeter's season. Tigers win 6-4. Young, three, Delman Young, 3-for-6 of a homer, a double, and three RBIs. Slugger Ishiro, 4-for-6 of a homer and two RBIs. Love, love me some And was this the year he was traded to the Bronx? So I think this was the year he was traded from Seattle. I think that's right. And there's also, obviously, the Mar- Marlins legend Ishiro Suzuki. <laughs> I just remember this because one of the guys in the Ichiro trade was one of the guys that played a pivotal role in the Houston scandal because that was Danny Farquhar. Yes, it was Danny Farquhar and DJ Mitchell were in the trade. Yeah, I don't remember DJ Mitchell, but I remember Danny Farquhar. But because uh, if we're trying to draw lines and connections, Ichiro is technically connected to one of the people that exposed the whole Houston scandal in 2017. Mm-hmm. In game two, there's some ump ball in the top of the eighth inning that allows two runs to score for the Tigers as they extend the series lead 3-0. Uh, Anibal Sanchez, seven innings, seven strikeouts, and three hits. Hiroki Kuroda, seven and two-thirds innings for 11 strikeouts. That's a guy. We got more guys coming. <laughs> in game oh, in game three, a 2-1 win for the Tigers. Verlander, eight and a third innings, three hits and three cases. Only blemish and Eduardo Nunez solo shot in the ninth inning. Oh, yeah, he was a Yankee. <laughs> Yeah. And, like, the Giants randomly in 2016. In and, like, Boston, obviously, in 2018. Yeah. In Game 4, the Tigers wrap up the sweep 8-1 win at home. Peralta, 2-for-3 of two homers and three RBIs. Scherzer, 10Ks in five and two-thirds innings. Tigers head back to the World Series for the first time since 2006 when they lost St. Louis. Delman Young is named ALCS MVP. 353, two homers, and six RBIs. Over in the NL, the Cardinals take a 3-1 series lead, then the Giants play the Uno reverse card on them with 5-0, 6-1, and 9-0 wins. They head back to the Fall Classic for the second time in three years, looking to re- win their first title since obviously winning in 2010 over Texas. The Tigers looking for their first title since 1984. 
Game one gets out of hand quick. <laughs> Six nothing after five innings. And 8-3 for the Giants is the final. Pablo Sandoval, three homers, joining Babe Ruth, Reggie Jackson, Albert Pujols, and doing so in a World Series game. Four for four with four RBIs. Maybe stop pitching I, to him after a bit. <laughs> I, I, yes, the Mount Rushmore of legendary slugs. Right <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like the meme. It's like this one Family Guy meme where it's like a bunch of sh- bunch of bunch of like sh- soldiers are in are in like the, the jungle and they're all wearing camo and then Peter Griffin is standing at the back with like in a clown costume. That's what that kind of reminds me of. It's like, oh, Babe Ruth, Pujols, Reggie Jackson, and Pablo Sandoval. <laughs> in game number, uh, in game two, 2-0 win for the Giants. Madison Bumgarner, seven innings, two hits, and eight strikeouts. Game three, also 2-0. Ryan Vogelson, Tim Lincecum, let's go, and Sergio Romo combined for seven strikeouts and five hits. Anibal Sanchez, eight strikeouts and seven innings of work. And then Jays legend Marcus Scudero hits a winning RBI single on the top of the 10th inning as the Giants win 4-3. The first sweep of the World Series since Boston beat Colorado in 2007. Sandoval's in World Series MVP. And the Giants win their second world title in three years. They would make it 3-5 of five in 2014, but that's a topic for another podcast. Uh, Marcos Scudero, <laughs> he was the guy who wore number 19 before Joey Bats. Yes. And we're like, when they were teammates for a brief period of time, Joey Bats had to wear number 23 because of Marco Scudero. Yes. Um, oh, he wore 23, I think, in Pittsburgh, too. But anyway, that's another story for another time. Um, in the year-end awards, time for more guy remembering, which is what we're here for at this point. Let's be honest here, Nathan. Yeah. In the AL MVP, Miguel Cabrera wins over Trout, Adrian Belte, Robinson Cano, and Josh Hamilton. Verlander, Fielder, and Cespedes, guys we talked about in this game, were 8 through 10. Tigers with back-to-back MVPs, First time since Hal Neuhauser in 1944 and 45. First position player since Hank Greenberg in 1940. Greenberg and Mickey Cochran won back-to-back in 34 and 35. And are the first team to repeat as AL MVP winners since Juan Gonzalez and Yvonne Rodriguez did so for Texas in 98 and 99. Let's, let's remember some teams from the Second World War. <laughs> in the NL, Buster Posey won over Ryan Braun, Andrew McCutcheon, Benji Molina, and Chase Headley. <laughs> I was not ready for a Chase Headley top five and an MVP voting. I'll be be honest, Chase Headley, I remember him as like having a couple random clutch hits for the Yankees in like 2017, I want to say. He had a couple... That sounds right. He was traded to the the Yankees and I just remember him having a couple like random big hits against Cleveland. In the Cy Young race, my boy David Price from the race beats out Verlander, Jared Weaver, Felix Hernandez, and Fernando Rodney. More race. Your top five. In the NL, R.A. Dickey beats Clayton Kershaw, Gio Gonzalez, Johnny Cueto, and Craig Krimble. Oh, yeah, that's also another instance of the, of the soldier and clown meme that I mentioned earlier with all <laughs> those guys and R.A. Dickey. Because R.A. Dickey was just randomly good, and then the Blue Jays decided to trade Noah Syndergaard for him. So, you know. <laughs> Syndergaard, oh, who was the catcher they traded? Um, John, John Buck. No, no, no. It wasn't John Buck. Um, Travis Darno's in that trade. Yeah. Oh, Buck was the Marlins trade up. I bet. Yes. Um, in the rookie of the year, get this: Mike Trout won. Yohannes Cespedes, Yu Darvish, Yian Chen from Baltimore, and Jared Parker. Your top five. Oh, Yian Chen. That, he was like randomly a Marlin. Like the Marlins randomly gave him big money for some reason. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As you do. 
Speaking of big name prospects, Bryce Harper was NL Rookie of the Year with Wade Miley, Todd Frazier, Willen Rosario, and Nori Aoki guy rounding out your top five. Well, I think Nori Aoki, I think, was a little bit older because he had played in yes. Japan, right? So, but still, a good guy to remember for the kids a decade later. Yeah, with future Kansas City Royals legend, Nori Aoki. Uh, Bob Melvin of the A's wins AL MVP over Buck Showalter, Robert Ventura, Joe Madden, and Joe Girardi. Leyland finished tied for six with Ron Washington. Melvin, manager of the year for the second time, had won of Arizona in 2007. is the first A's manager to win since Tony La Russa in 92. La Russa also won in 1988. NLM manager of the year with a Davey Johnson over Dusty Baker, Bruce Boshi, Freddie Gonzalez, and Bud Black. I remember so <laughs> Freddie Gonzalez, I remember. Mm-hmm. I like the like I think the Braves were better than Wildcard lost, but that year, but uh, things happen. Things do, things do happen in baseball. And I mean, yeah, it would have been nice to have. Uh, like, I just wonder if Oakland wins this series, do we do we get an all base series matchup in in the twenty twelve World Series? Well, okay, yeah. The Yankees series would have been interesting I just, because, I mean, does Jeter break his ankle? Because he breaks his ankle in game one of the Tiger series. So that changes things too. So Yeah. So if Jose Valverde never blows the save, Jeter never breaks his ankle. That's a whole Pandora's box of what ifs. Mm-hmm. If Jose Valverde was actually a <laughs> Do you remember how to close? So, speaking of teams, so what happens the following seasons to these teams? We'll start with the Tigers. They add Torrey Hunter and sign Sanchez, who was a free, uh, pickup that offseason. Uh, in the 2013 season, they also get Jose Iglesias, part of a three-way trade coming in. They go 93-69 and 69 to win the Central again. Cabrera repeats his MVP, the first player to do that in the American League since Frank Thomas of Chicago in 93-94. And, and Max Scherzer wins the Cy Young. They beat the A's again in five games. Which I'm pretty sure, if I remember that series, there's some pretty good Sonny Gray and Justin Verlander pitching matchups in that one. I, there was, yeah. And then they lose in six games to the Red Sox in the ALCS. Smoking Jim Leland announces his retirement, though he does come back in the 2017 World Baseball Classic with USA, and Brad Ausmus becomes the manager. Yeah, I remember Aus- when I watched the, the Tigers play the Jays in Toronto in 15, that's who the manager was. <laughs> Uh, that offseason, they deal Prince Fielder to the Tigers for Ian Kinsler. They also deal Doug Fisher to the Nationals for Steve Lombrosi Jr., Ian Kroll, and a young Robbie Ray. Oh, is that how they got Robbie Ray? Okay. In 2014, they win the Central again of 90 wins. Uh, they get Joachim Soria from Texas. They also involve a three-way deal with the season get David Price, but they get swept in the ALDS by the Baltimore Orioles. Dombrowski <laughs> is released in August 2015 and replaced by Al Avila, Alex's dad. Uh, Dombrowski then joins Boston to become president of baseball operations there until 2019 and is now with the Phillies. Since 2014, the Tigers haven't made the playoffs. Their best result in that span at her only 500 campaign since was in 2016-86 win campaign to finish second in the Central behind Cleveland. There's signs of life in Detroit a bit, but it still feels like they're a couple. I mean, the Central... Breaking. Central, not a great division. But it feels like now the way the playoffs are expanded, too, it feels like they're closest they've been in a while to maybe, you know, there's some sort of light at the end of the tunnel here. Yeah, like, they have they have some some younger players, like Riley, right now, in, like, Riley Green, Spencer Torkelson, and if they develop, like, they develop a little bit of bit of pitching. I know Casey Mize was the number, number one overall pick back in the day, and he's been all right, but... Uh, 
Uh, he's had some injuries though, hasn't he? Or I could use somebody. A little bit. A little bit, and then yeah, just need guys to develop, and then they had Eduardo Rodriguez, and then they tried to trade him, and they said no, and then he recently just opted out of that contract. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, we're recording this basically on the verge of free agency, so. It's, yeah. it's all up in the air. <laughs> Anyways, um, Oakland, get this. They did a lot of trades in the offseason again. <laughs> they lose Drew McCarthy and Johnny Gomes, guy, in free agency. Um, they then, uh, Cliff Payton goes to Arizona for Chris Young. Tyson Ross goes to San Diego. Jed Lowry comes from Houston for Chris Carter, Brad Peacock, and Max Stassi. They also get John Jaso from Seattle. They win the West again if 96 wins, and as mentioned, lose to the Tigers in five games. Then 2014 happens. Oh, 2014 in the Oakland A's is a whole can of worms. Yes. So they're 59-36. Best record at the All-Star break. They make a trade to get Jeff Samarja and Jason Hamill. I think it was Jason Hamill. From the Cubs for Dan Straley, Billy McKinley, and Addison Russell. Then they deal Cespedes to Boston for John Lester and Johnny Gomes is back at the deadline. Down the stretch, they win 16 of 46 games and lose the wild card game to the Royals. Well... <laughs> It's almost like they needed another bat or something. Yes. Um, that game is wild, too. Future game on the podcast, I'm sure. Uh, Bean leaves the GM role in 2015 to become Oakland's executive vice president of baseball operations. David Frost is promoted as GM. The A's get to the wild card game in 2018. Melvin is made manager of the year uh, after three straight fifth place results, and they lose to the Yankees. They lose to the Rays in the wild card game in 19. They win the West in 2020 in a COVID-shortened campaign, beat the White Sox in three, and then fall to the Astros in four games. Melvin remains with the A's through 2021, uh, then heads to San Diego for two seasons, and is now the manager for the San Francisco Giants. And as we talked about on this show, the A's are basically on the verge, it looks like, of heading to Vegas. There's an owner's meeting and a vote planned for later this month as we record this on November the 5th. So maybe we'll know the outcome by that point. Yeah, like I hope seriously hope that uh, I'd love to see the A's stay in Oakland, but I think the current ownership, they would have to, they'd have to have new ownership. They can't have the same ownership that they have right now. Mm-hmm. They just can't. So, in terms of this game itself, Nathan, having gone back to watch it, would you recommend this as a game for people to go and seek out? If you're going to watch any, I'd recommend maybe not watching the full game, but just going to watch the bottom of the ninth inning if you want to see a cool ending and people go crazy. But over, overall, I think it's it's a it's a very good base, baseball game. And if you're diehard, go for it. But if you just want to see a cool ending, just watch the bottom of the ninth inning. Yeah, I think obviously the finish stands out. But yeah, it's a pretty good first ball game for us to do here on the podcast finally. Um, again, a lot of good guys. And as the years go on, more they'll become even better guys as the time and goes along. But yeah, definitely a pretty wild finish stands that out. Like I said, before we record this, I wasn't sure what game it was. I'm like, is this the great Verlander pitching duel? Because I'm all over that. And that's, I think, something I might go back and try to find at some point. But yeah, no, definitely one worth seeking out for the finish itself. Yeah, exactly. And, and I mean, and, and you get to see, like, two teams. Because these two teams haven't sniffed the playoffs much since. I mean, they've each had a couple appearances. Since, since then, but neither of them are anything close to the playoffs as of 2023. Mm. So, all right, Nathan. Well, that wraps things up for this episode. Thanks for appearing on the show here. We'll have you on again at some point in 2024. 
Um, yeah. It might be baseball again. It might be something else. I don't know. We'll find out when we get to it. <laughs> yeah. To, to be announced. Yes. Uh, if you want to hear other episodes of the program, you can just search for Less Members of Sports Podcast on your favorite podcast provider and go from there. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again soon. What a ball game. Coco Chris delivers again. He has gotten big hits all year long for Oakland, but none bigger than that one with two outs. Valverde went with another split, and Coco Chris hooks it into right. Garcia couldn't feel it cleanly, and the winning run scores from second. What a comeback. Seth Smith drove in the two tying runs and scores the winning run with two outs in the ninth. Fifteenth walk-off win of the season. Base hit, RBI, no error on the play. As you did see the bobble, but it didn't matter for Garcia out there in right field. Well, if you're the Detroit Tigers right now, you got to be shocked by the way this thing has gone down tonight. Absolutely shocked. You get your closer in the game with a two-run lead. He gives up three hits to start the inning, and then you see Oakland celebrate with a walk-off win. We send it down to Jamie Maggio, who's with Coco Crisp. All right, thank you. Coco, 14 walk-offs to lead the majors in the regular season. How do you guys keep doing this? Well, just uh, not giving up. Playing to that final out. And, uh, man, the guys in front of us did a fantastic... Did a fantastic... I appreciate Josh Reddick just gave me the warning. Sorry about that, yet. It's just... Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. We've been doing this all year, you know. We get those buckets on us, get the pie in the face. It's an awesome feeling. I'm glad the opportunity uh, was there for me to be able to do it. Uh, Reddick did a great job. Uh, Smitty, JD, I mean, the guys, without them, obviously I wouldn't be in this situation right now. It was awesome. Coco, you guys force a game five. You've now won two in a row, both games at home. Do you feel that this team is on a roll right now? You know, we're just trying to give it our best every night. And, uh, you know, obviously they're a great team over there. They have some great hitters. And uh, their pitchers, have been, they've, been, they've been fantastic. But, uh, you know, we don't give up. And I know uh, that's a credit to the guys in the, in the front office, the coaching staff, just installing the right mentality in us. Coco, you robbed the home run last night. A leaping catch, spectacular defensive play tonight. It's the walk-off hit. What's the encore, Coco? Oh, man, I, I don't know. Just come out and give it 100%. You know, that's all we can do, and that's all we're going to continue to do. Hopefully uh, it ends up in our favor again. Congratulations. We'll see you tomorrow. Thank you. Thank you.